millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. All right, do we have Sean? What's going on? Oh, we do have him? Oh, all right. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Just bring him in. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sean Fitzgerald is joining us. Uh, Sean, I was just telling the story of, um, uh, before we got into the fun half, of, of how you, you were on with, uh, when Emma uh, Viglin went on to uh, Tim Pool's show, uh, you were there, I guess, um, as a, a third guest. Um, and my understanding, after I got back from a wedding, I saw on Twitter that I was not responding to you, apparently, and I guess ultimately found out that you had challenged me to a debate on Tim's show, also asked me to go out to dinner, but yes. um, and I figured, you know, 50, you know, uh, batting 500% is pretty good, uh, batting 500, so we do this, not so much at the dinner, uh, but, um, and... Uh, I asked you, I, I reached out to you on Twitter, and I asked you what you wanted to debate me on, and you said, my main issue is that I've seen you downplay the significant increase in crime in New York City and nationwide since 2020, the excusing of crime by blaming poverty. Uh, Emma did so in person. I do not have an example of you doing this offhand, so your position can be different. And then uh, individual cases, Daniel Penny and the Jordan Neely case, uh, and or uh, the Jordan Williams case. Um, so, uh, w- you know, we will we'll, we'll have a debate about that, but let's just, uh, let me int- let you introduce yourself. Uh, you, you call yourself the actual justice warrior, and my understanding is you are a, uh, you're, you're, you're a, a criminology expert? Have you, uh, are you, no. So I I don't have a degree in criminology. Uh, I have two degrees in criminal justice. It's a like petty distinction, but I don't I don't try to get into qualifications that much because I don't think they matter. I think if you're a learned well, person, I mean, you studied interested- you studied it. You studied. You're an expert on crime. I, I I know a bit about crime. I wouldn't call myself a like perfect expert or anything of the sort. Okay, I mean, I, I just I, I bring that up because I don't uh, I, I I have not uh, spent uh, you know uh, I think probably the time that you have uh, looking at this, and I just want to give you uh, credit for that. Oh, thank you. And as for the people hitting you up, listen, I apologize in the DMs in advance. I did not I did not stoke that other than issuing the challenge on Tim's show. But you know, it is I was not complaining that you were not responding. I still get tagged by people 
saying that you didn't respond, no matter how many times I clarified. That's how the internet works. But we're oh, here I, now. No, I uh, believe me. I know that you don't. You don't need to explain that to me. That that's uh, it happens all the time. Yes, we are here now. And actual justice warrior. How did you uh, come up with that uh, moniker? Um, so I, I'm I'm a big believer that any qualifier to like justice tends to invert it and make some kind of injustice. At the time that I created the channel, it was when social justice warrior was the term du jour among the right. And I made the name. I kind of regretted it immediately, but I've stuck with it for years because, you know, you got to commit to something. Yeah. And so economic uh, justice, you don't like that, uh, that, that terminology either? No. Okay. Uh, what's that? Um, all right. Uh, all right. Fair enough. Okay, so um, uh, make your case here about um, what what is the issue you have in terms of me downplaying the significant increase in crime in New York City and nationwide since 2020. What? Uh, so, give me a sense of what uh, w- characterize wh- how you perceive my uh, how I've downplayed that and uh, what's problematic about it. So I've heard I've heard this point from Emma and specifically from you on your show in response to the recent uptick in crime, that crime is not as bad as the 1990s, which is true, by the way. Compared to the peak of America, we're significantly down from that mark. However, we've had a giant increase in crime since the Black Lives Matter riots. You can actually trace it in a lot of places to the month of the riots where we had certain criminal justice reforms implemented that I believe are really driving the uptick in crime. So nationwide, we had a 30% year-over-year increase in the homicide rate. This is the largest increase in American history. The second largest increase in American history is actually 2000 to 2001. And what's significant about that is that's only 20%, and that includes 3,000 people killed in New York City on a single day. So it's the largest year-over-year increase in American history. New York was actually ahead of that curve. They increased 47% year over year. And to get into the raw numbers for New York City, it went from about 312 homicides. We were in and around 300 and 300 murders in the city of New York per year to 489. I think that's a significant increase. I think the argument that it's not as bad as it ever has been is a terrible argument. And I've heard a lot of people repeat this in response to what is a notable increase in crime. Okay. So, um, I, I, I will agree that if from in 2020 and in 2021, um, we saw increases in crime, uh, certainly year over year, without a doubt. Um, you're, you're, you're neglecting to say that those numbers are now going down. I mean, because when we talk about the most recent figures, really, those numbers are going down. So we had this, this peak of crime that was pretty big. Um, like you say, in 2020 and in 2021, you um, measured it to uh, the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, yes. I also noticed that during 2020 and 2021, we had a once in a lifetime pandemic that sure. um, also created massive uh, unemployment that also created massive spike in pedestrian deaths. Uh, that, um, also, uh, provided, uh, massive spike in inflation. There were all sorts of phenomena that, and also massive spikes in deaths, uh, around that are attributed to the pandemic. But from your perspective, 
the pandemic was not this is not a function of the pandemic. This these spikes in crime were a function of the Black Lives Matter protests. Is that do well, I understand? It's, re- you? it's, re- it's really the after effect of the protests. But to be clear, well, crime okay, okay. Has the after the after effect. The, we can we can we can talk about the decline. No, no, but minute. this is important because what you said is like it's misleading. So crime has declined since the increase in a lot of places from 2020 to 2021, but it's declined in comparison to the increase. Well, so New York, as an example, I love. No, this it's not example. the no, 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 no. You're misstating that. It is. I said it. It it decreased year over year at this point. Yeah, year over year. Because you're talking about you're not like you're discounting. When the peak of crime in this country, uh, or a decade ago, or or, or, or two decades ago, and you're using a year-over-year increase, and I'm saying that we're now in 2023, and I think you 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 wouldn't you wouldn't argue against this. We have experienced now a uh, a year-over-year uh, decrease both in New York. And nationally, in uh, like five out of seven measures of crime, I think in New York, the only crime that has really gone up is uh, car theft. Uh, but homicides down. Uh, but down compared down to what? Year over year. Yeah, but pre-2019, we're still up if you compare it oh, to Oh, yeah. The no, there's no doubt. In fact, we're also up in inflation. But also, inflation is going down. So I'm also, just, I just 20, want to make sure that people understand sure, the dynamic. And also during 20, uh, 2020 and 2021, we had this huge spike in deaths from COVID. Sure. And that's also going down. We still have more deaths from COVID than we had in 2019. But we're talking about a trend in terms of it's going down. And the reason why this is important is because your argument seems to be and and I want to I want to get back to the cause of this spike. According to you, your argument, as far as I I can tell, and what you just said was because of the Black Lives Matter protests, we had police reforms. You would call them not reforms, but no, bad they're reforms. Things. Okay, police reforms that created this spike. So to measure whether a this spike was a function of police reforms. We would have to believe those reforms have been reversed this year for the things for the crime to go down. Now, I, I'm going to take issue with even the fact that there were police reforms that caused this. But that's why it's important that we all understand what's going on here in terms of crime. It went up in 2020. It went up in 2021. And now it is starting to go back down. It's still not at the level it was at 2019. And I concede that. But it is clearly going back down. You will concede that, yes? Uh, well, yes, depending on the area, but also well, you would nationally, have to use, nationally, you would have to let's, use 2022 numbers in New York. because the 2023 numbers are incomplete. Well, yes, but at this point, six months in, seven months in, in New York, are they up or down from yeah, last year, could, year over year? It could very well be true that they're down in comparison. What do you to mean? It could be increase. very well true. This is a hard number. These are actual hard. Do you want? Well, do the I NYPD puts out their data at the end of the year, and we're at the summer, and that's usually when the spikes come Sean, out. Sean, so, Sean, take it from June, just the six months. I, do you really not know those numbers? You know those numbers. If I, mean, I, I have those numbers, June, you have those numbers. Come on. Twenty twenty three. What crime am I looking at? 
Look at the top seven crimes. I mean, I don't understand how you don't have these numbers. If I could find these numbers, this is not what I do. I don't talk about crime that often. Like you say, I downplay it as far according to you. And uh, the fact is, is that crime numbers are down. I mean, it, it, people can Google this. Uh, look, here's here's a story from Patch. Nearly every major crime in New York City drops sharply. New stats show. This is from the concept. Yes, there's a decrease in 2023. And homicides are down 3% from June 2023 to last year, June 2023. Um, Shootings in New York dropped about 25%. If you tell me what you're looking for, I can go find it. Okay, well, I'll read it. I have it here. New York Times. Uh, shootings in New York City dropped. This is July 6th. So this, this is, this data is, uh, you know, three weeks old. Uh, sh- shootings in New York City dropped by 25% through the first half of this year compared with the same period last year, extending mm-hmm. a downward trend after a spike in violent crime during the, the pandemic. Um, what else do we have? Murders, rapes, burglary, burglaries decreased by about 10% each. Robberies fell nearly 5%. But car thefts increased, like I said, by almost, well, it's 18%, but nearly 20%. Felony assaults by 6%. Don't, I can't tell whether that's class D or class B. Transit crimes, uh, have fallen nearly 4%, uh, this year. Um, I mean, you know this stuff. So I, I just want to be clear. We're talking about the the effects. Yes, we we have a slight decrease after a dramatic increase. That is right. true. Okay, exactly. like the overall crime index appears to be down. Total, okay. I think it says three point something okay. percent. But major okay. crimes, obviously, greater disparities. Right. Okay. So now, since we've and we should say this is a nationwide trend. It's not just New York City. True, but the homicide spike was ahead of the nationwide curve in the city of New York. And we can right. not we can talk about other cities like Philadelphia is a good example. They're actually at their peak homicide rate all time. So there it actually is worse than the 1990s. OK. And uh, but also, again, going down. Um, but with that said, let's talk about now your theory that there were all sorts of well that there. Let's start with just there were reforms uh, after um, after uh, the the. 2020 because your argument is it has nothing to do with the pandemic right not nothing i'm sure it's a factor but what level how big of a factor would you say because you clearly think that the primary factor is the george floyd protests yes the the george floyd effect would be a better a better phrase for it yes okay the george floyd effect how much just give me a sense of um uh, of like how you break it down 50 percent george floyd effect in 50% 50% pandemic? No, right? It's more. Uh, I would say a, a good portion. I don't know if it's specifically like 50% if there's a hard number, but if you want to say, I don't know, 50 to 60%, I think that's totally fine because there were some reforms that were instituted prior that combined with reforms afterwards probably made individual areas worse. Okay. So, uh, all right. So what what reforms are you talking about? So in New York City, we had Raise the Age, which was actually passed before, prior to George Floyd. And year over year, we actually saw, and Raise the Age, if you don't know, actually makes it more difficult to prosecute youthful offenders in the city of New York. When was that uh, instituted? I believe it was passed in 2017. It could have been passed in 2018. I'm not exactly sure. No, wait a second. And when was it instituted, I guess, is really what I meant. I I believe it was instituted in 2018. So but but your whole argument is, I mean, you pegged it literally to the month 
the yeah, crime for shootings increased. for sure. If you want to talk about what caused the increase in shootings, in my opinion, removing the I, anti- I'm just going by what you said. And when you said there was this big spike in crime in 2020, yeah, I, well, you said you it listened, was because I, of the George if you Floyd. Listened, I just thing. said that there were some reforms that were passed prior to and combined with new reforms, I think created additional problems. So you so think that the, the kid, the, 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 the age thing had like a delayed effect, like a, no, no, like no. A, like so a, raise the age made it more difficult to prosecute youthful offenders. Now we had bail reform, which actually came into law in 2020, which made it more difficult to hold people on certain charges, including gun possession when combined with raise the age. That led to a spike of youthful offenders carrying guns. However, this didn't really come to fruition until Bill de Blasio got rid of the anti-crime unit, which was the unit designed specifically to target illegal guns. So it's a confluence of factors that led to an increase in youth shootings and youth homicides in the city of New York. What Now, how did those um, I'm just going to stipulate for the just the moment that that's why we saw this spike in New York. How did those reforms in New York implicate the spikes that we saw nationwide? Because we really did see spikes nationwide, sure. didn't we? So there are different reforms that we can we can go to that are passed in different individual areas. So but the way- every reform that was passed around and this all these reforms went when right at the George Floyd well, well, we were talking about New York, but there are different reforms that were passed nationwide. Some well, but areas you're talking about causality. And I'm asking yes. you, we know that crime went up nationwide and you say it was in June of 2020. Uh, that's well, when I it said went shooting up. spike specifically in June, July of 2020, when they got rid of the anti-crime unit in the city of New York. OK, no, no. But at the beginning of this entire debate, I mean, if you. So for nationwide, one of the biggest factors, I think, driving crime across the nation would be the decrease in the police force. So we had a lot of officers retire early. This is something that we're seeing across the country. The NYPD is seeing it. The LAPD is seeing it. Rural departments in middle America are seeing it and a decrease in recruitment because they're not pulling the numbers that they actually want to see. So I think nationwide, if you're talking about a blanket thing that happened that led to an increase in crime, then I think the decrease in the overall police force is definitely a factor. Okay. So I, I, okay. I just want to, I'm trying to like zero in on this because you said at the beginning of this debate that you peg the spike in crime as a, the George Floyd effect. Yes. And it was the George Floyd effect in your mind that caused the decrease in staffing, uh, uh, police staffing. And that's why crime went up. In the in the nation in New York, it was part partially the staffing, and then partially these other reforms that some of which were two years earlier and had a delayed impact. Yes, some of these reforms. Well, it's not a delayed impact combined with other reforms. It's now, like, let it's me like ask if, you it's this: It's like breaking a. It's like breaking down a house. There are certain support beams that you could take. You can knock them down, and the house will still stand. The structure will still stand. But if you knock down enough of them, they'll fall. And New York specifically, I was talking about the difference that I see between the national crime increase and New York specifically. Okay. So, yes, there would be additional factors there. So you're and and, and really what we're talking about is causality here, right? Because my argument is that the pandemic led to a spike in crime. Largely, there may be other uh, factors, uh, but but I would say 
overwhelming the the overwhelming factor in the spike that that led to the spike of crime was the pandemic. You would argue it was these police reforms, particularly in terms of staffing nationwide. Well, the staffing was I'm just officers from retiring Bloomberg. from Bloomberg. Okay, okay. Bloomberg uh, uh, from Bloomberg. This is uh, this is a report from uh, January thirty first of this year. Okay. Bloomberg News analysis shows that even as staffing levels dropped during the pandemic nationally, police department headcounts exceeded those of 15 years ago when crime was higher. Okay. Now, how can you say that the causality runs that as you drop the staffing levels, um, it, it, things spike when, in fact, you're, you're still at uh, levels that are higher than they were 15 years ago? In major city, cities, staffing levels rose and fell over that period, with some changes corresponding to economic downturns and local crises, which you'd imagine. Uh, but between 2011 and 2019, police staffing levels in more than half of the 20 largest cities grew, according to FBI data and across the country. So if we're to use your standard of, like, don't compare crime rates today to the way that they were when crime was really high in the country then why are you doing that with staffing levels? Well, you can compare it to the peak if you want, but if we're talking about a recent crime spike, I don't think that's useful. On top of that, you just read, maybe you didn't realize it, that that officers went up between 2011 and 2019. This would be before the pandemic, and crime was dropping nationwide during that period of time. Then we see an officer shortfall, and to be clear, what we're experiencing now we're is still a lot of, staff. We still have more. Sure, but, uh, we still have okay, more. Not, not police all than we officers did are equal. If you look at ago. who's retiring, it's disproportionately older seasoned investigators, and they are not so easily replaced by new recruiting classes. And I've gone over this specifically in the LAPD, exactly who they're losing. And they've lost between six and eight percent of their police force. Now, I believe it's six net, eight total. And most of those are seasoned investigators. And so, okay, so it, the the reason why, so that's why we're not solving crimes. Is that what you're saying? It's not preventing crime. Investigators don't prevent crime, right? They solve crimes. I mean, they're not only investigators. A lot of times, either I'm sorry, I'm just going by what you said. You said investigators, and that's why yeah, the crime. A lot of them are seasoned investigators. Or seasoned investigators. Okay, not I'm easily just replaced. understand. You know this stuff better than I do. I'm just trying to understand your logic. You say seasoned investigators is why crime went yeah, up because they're better. Example. And and I as far I know as you I like know, to harp on like an individual term and all that because you think, oh, I'm going to get them pinned. But I'm speaking no. very clearly. I think everybody can understand that I'm doing that. But you're just playing dumb. No, I'm not playing dumb. You say you seasoned investigators are. and I say, well, wait a second. They don't prevent crime. They solve crimes. Is that am I wrong? It would also be supervisor positions and all that. Yes. So it'd be very like savvy seasoned officers and investigators and so if you need that specifically clarified reforms what reforms were a function of the george floyd protests that got seasoned investigators to retire well it's not a specific reform but the effect of driving these officers into retirement is undeniable just look at the numbers since the george floyd riots well uh, it's also COVID, right no they're a lot of retiring. people retired across. I mean, a they're lot still, of people. They're still retiring at similar rates. You think they're all afraid of COVID? Well, the, the George uh, Floyd uh, uh, protests ended two Yeah, the, there's still ago. effects of that protest. Change in attitude effects? and sentiment in the country. Yes. Oh, I see. The, it's, so it's the sentiment. 
Yeah, that has an impact for sure. Officer morale is very important. And so their morale is down because of the George Floyd protests. Yeah, because of the George Floyd protests, people are very anti-police officers. A lot of them had their funding cut, and a lot of officers left when the funding was cut, and they're not so easily replaced oh, by a restoration so and funding. So your argument is that uh, funding has been cut. Is that it? Yeah, funding was cut in certain places, yes. I've got a story here from ABC7 New York. It says funding uh, was restored, yes. Despite defunding claims, police funding has increased in many cities, and this was in October of last year. Yeah. So what do you think that increase is attributed to? What do I think it's attributed to? Yeah, why, why do you think funding increased when they initially reduced budgets? ABC-owned television stations examined the budgets of more than 100 cities and counties and found 83% are spending at least 2% more on police in 2022 than they did in 2019. Yeah. So what ended up happening was post the pandemic, post the George Floyd riots, you had a defund the police movement and cuts were made to budgets like, for example, the LAPD. Now, their budget was cut. A bunch of officers left the force, like I said, net 6%, possibly 8%. Again, the numbers update monthly. And then you have officers to supplement for that working overtime. And now you're less productive when you're working overtime. But if you look at the LAPD's budget, it says defunding, and there's stories about this, how defunding the police actually led to an increase in payout of overtime. So you still have less officers working, and now they're working more hours. So you're actually getting poor poor results. Well, again, it's also driving down recruitment. So yes, less officers, less overall staff at at these places. So yeah, Yeah. they might have, and, and again, some places cut the funding, and then in 2022, notice how you skipped over 2020 and 2021. No, I when, just you know, read what it said here because we're and comparing everything 2022, to they 2019. The funding, but that doesn't bring people down. That doesn't bring people out of retirement. No, no. You said 20 this this current fiscal year compared to 2019. There was yeah. a funding reduction in a lot of places in 20, in 2021. Right. Then but the restoration now- of funding and an increase in funding in a response to an increase in crime. But that does not make officers materialize. I understand. No, I understand. Your your argument is, and I think there's there's definitely something to that. That uh, staff uh, staffing levels uh, dropped, and so we made up for it on overtime. Again, I I go back to that Bloomberg report that staffing levels are still significantly higher uh, than they were um, uh, fifteen years ago. Okay. And there was even uh, uh, more crime at that time. Um, yeah, there was. And we have 80% of the city's largest increase their funding. Uh, and like you say, that, I guess, is uh, a, a, a function of, uh, of overtime. Cops still on the beat, but you say that they're not as good. At, well, I mean, uh, solving you, you know, crimes. you cover you cover a lot of workers issues when you actually have mandatory overtime and people are for, forced to work more and more hours. It's not productive. Well, like I you, mean, you would you would say the same the figures, thing if we talked about it in an elder labor context. What are, correct. What are historical figures of police uh, solving crimes? Solving. You're going to have to define that metric. Clearance rate. Uh, clearance rate. So clearance rate, it depends on the crime. Homicide is typically higher in terms of clearance rate because it's easier to solve. Most people are murdered by somebody that they know. There's a dead body. You don't have to worry about a lot what of What are those rates? 
Um, I'm I'm not sure nationwide. I want to say maybe it's 60 to 70 percent for homicide nationwide, but it varies greatly depending on the city. And have those dropped? Clearance rates in certain areas for sure. Nationwide, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I do believe that. And what about the other uh, violent crimes that we're talking about, ones that don't involve people that we know? Uh, Give me an example. Well, um, uh, assaults. What's the investigation? Assaults or- would be assaults would be lower, for sure. I'm I'm just curious historically. I mean, if your argument is that the the cops are less productive, I'm just curious is like, can we see that in num- actual numbers? I mean, I can look up real quick the drop in clearance rate nationwide. I know that it is significant in certain places like Baltimore, but uh, I don't have those specific numbers on hand. It's weird. I I mean. Um- FBI said five uh, percent of police arrests uh, on on violent crime. That's what the FBI uh, figures are. So in in nineteen eighty, seventy one percent of homicides were deemed solved or cleared, and it dropped to about fifty percent in twenty twenty. In twenty twenty, and what was it in twenty nineteen? I'll have to. I'll look it up right now. I mean, because that's the whole premise, right? And so. Will you uh, work, I mean, while you, you're looking that up, I'll give you a moment. Okay, so it would be down from 61%. It's down in 2020 from... From, uh, from 61%. From 2019, and where are we at? Uh, like, give us like give us the the range so that we can actually see the pattern that you're you're uh, suggesting. I just said that the the clearance rate went down to 50 percent in 2020. And where was it from in 2021? 61%, so that would be an 11 increase. 20, oh, sorry, decrease. 2021 should continue. 2021, that trend, sure. Right. I mean, I'll, if I'll your theory is correct, the that that should continue. I mean, there might not be updated numbers for it, but I will. I will what you call. It. I will look for them. All right. Well, you don't. Don't worry about that. Let's. Uh, we do. We do tend to get some criminal justice related stats later. Okay. Now. Uh, okay. According to NPR, which, which is not the same as I was using for the source, it dropped below fifty percent, which is considered a new historic low. And in certain major cities like Chicago, it has dropped till around thirty percent. Now, why doesn't that correlate with the staffing drops that we see? What do you mean? Well, there's just, there's no correlation between the numbers that you're talking about. I'm just curious because you're arguing that there was something happened in June of 2020 that caused this spike in crime. And we don't see any correlation between and and and. You're not suggest you're, you're suggesting the George Floyd thing caused. How, how would there not be a correlation if I say officers are retiring and early recruitment is down, and then we see a drop in clearance rate to around fifty percent from twenty nineteen sixty one percent, and now NPR is reporting that the twenty twenty one numbers on, on murders, would be would sub fifty percent. Uh, how would that not be a correlation on murders? Which you curious. say is the 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 uh, on murders, which you say is the is the easiest one, but the. And and is it back up? I mean, we have the staffing levels are returning, correct? No, they're not. They're not. Is that right? The spending is returning, but the spending does not make officers materialize. And again, there's a difference between an officer that is a veteran of the force versus a new recruit. I mean, I just read the NPR thing that said the clearance rate is at 
historic lows. Now, again, that's according to NPR. Initially, I was looking at the FBI stats. They could be pulling from a different number, and therefore, it could be less reliable. So I will I will leave that out there. But, you know, you did ask me to pull it up on so the fly. And it- what reforms uh, do you attribute to uh, the George Floyd effect? I mean, you mentioned uh, two reforms that uh, that took place uh, prior to uh, the George Floyd protests. Uh, what, 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 uh, what, what, uh, what, what other reforms around the country do you see that took place? I mean, I well, know we first- that you're saying that there was uh, a retirement and you're blaming it on the George Floyd thing. You don't blame the mass retirements that we saw across the board on George Floyd, like in other professions, like in teaching professions, for instance, like we're seeing a lot of uh, retirements in teaching. You don't blame Is that the on the George retirements Floyd. comparable to that. Oh, in terms of the numbers? Oh, I think they're big. I bigger. mean, because there, there's they're an bigger. overall increase in they're retirements bigger. in the country because we have a bunch of baby boomers retiring, for sure, that exists. But officers are typically younger, and there's a lot more early retirements. Then teachers, I think you, you'll find that with teachers, uh, people are retiring before they're actual, they're leaving the profession. Um, and so they're, they're, you know, retirement may not be the right word. They're going to go on and work other places. But you don't attribute that to the George Floyd effect. Um, unlikely. Right. Um, and, and the same across the board with like all of the, the, uh, the great resignation that we heard. Do you remember that term? Yes. That, that's not a function of the George Floyd effect. Yeah. I mean, that's typically young people not wanting to work. It was at peak when unemployment was paying. Actually, it wasn't amount. that they didn't want to work. It's that they were quitting jobs. They didn't want to work their specific job. Yeah. And they went on to different jobs. I mean, I just saying like. You are zeroing in on on uh, the George Floyd protests for this uh, for this decrease in staffing in police forces across the country. Yes. And you're completely in a decrease in recruiting pool. And you're uh, you're ignoring the the pandemic as uh, an effect, although the pandemic has this effect everywhere else. In society. No, I think the, I think the pandemic plays a role, and sure, you would have had officers leaving maybe earlier in the pandemic when things were starting to lock down. Like that's definitely a possibility. What but there's percentage? a continuous decrease in officers and early retirement that is coming even till today. And I don't think that they're worried about COVID. In what are we, August 2023, right now? Um, like it's possible they could be. They you know they could be masking up right now. What percentage of uh, police in New York City quit because of uh, vaccine mandates or around the country? Was it I think high? the number for police for vaccine mandates was extraordinarily low. I remember uh, a lot of right wing people saying that, oh, all these officers were going to be gone. But when push came to shove, when the mandate was implemented, and I think you even covered this on your show. Uh, very few people actually quit the fire department and quit the NYPD. Now, if you're saying that's different, then I mean, you know, I, I could no, you could, I, I, you could go I, rewind I, your it's coverage a genuine, on that. Uh, it's a genuine question. Okay, so and your argument is that less police causes more crime, but yeah. you're also arguing that we haven't staffed up. How is crime dropping if there is a causal effect in terms of numbers of police? Why did it go up in 2020 and go up in 2021? go up in 2022 but now is dropping despite the fact that we haven't hired all these police back so in the preliminary numbers for 2023 we've seen a slight decrease is that what you're trying to hang your hat on right now 
Yeah, I'm saying that we know that the trend is going down, and you're making a causality. A, I mean, making, it's still up in comparison to 2019. I understand, but the staffing isn't back up. But you're saying the you're trend making, is going Sean, down. You're looking at, you are you're looking making at the least reliable numbers causality. that you can grasp onto to say Sean, it's going down. Let me ask you this, okay? I turn on the air conditioning in here. Let's pretend our air conditioner works. And I turn the air conditioning unit on. I turn it to 66, let's say. And the temperature starts to drop in here. And so I say, hey, that is why the temperature is dropping, because I turned the air conditioner on. And then the, the next day, the temperature keeps dropping because I had the air conditioning on. But the third day, the temperature starts to rise. And the air conditioner is still exactly where it was before. Does that make sense that the air conditioner is the cause of the temperature dropping? That the air conditioner caused the temperature dropping? Yeah, uh, yeah because if it goes up, if the temperature that. goes up on day three and the air conditioner is doing the exact same thing it was doing before, how is it possible that I can make it's a probably causality the external argument? temperature? Like, I don't, what, what's the point of this? Uh, oh, it could be the external temperature and that maybe the air conditioner hasn't been working at all. And maybe those first two days it was actually cooler. And on the third day it was actually warmer. And that's what's going on. So you're saying Almost the, as if like COVID was acting on on. Well, this again, Sam, crunch. you keep trying to hang your hat on COVID nineteen. I didn't say COVID nineteen played no role. I said exactly the opposite. But I think no, that no, a I'm lot hanging my hat as it were a role. on this once in a lifetime pandemic that has caused all sorts of learning deficiencies in kids, that has caused uh, increase in stress, that has caused mass resignations, mass retirements. Increase in, 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 in deaths, increase in pedestrian deaths, increase in inflation, increase in, uh, in destruction of, of, uh, of, of all sorts of sort of elements of society. And you're making a different argument that that had less of an impact. And I'm asking you if you're making a causality argument about these reforms that supposedly took place in the wake of the George Floyd protests or the effect that it caused the staffing, yeah. then how come it's reversing itself without any of those changes that well, first it's, caused? Again, it's not reversing itself. You're overplaying your hand. It's it is reversing itself. Increase. It's going but in the if, opposite if, direction. No, it's that not, is the very definition fine, of what, what reversing we could itself. Do, what we could do is actually look at the city of New Orleans, because I happen to know that New Orleans cut their police funding well before the rest of the nation. Now, this had nothing to do with the George Floyd protests or anything like that. This had to do with budget uh, implications. And for the years, I believe, preceding 2016, they froze their budget up until around 2019, where they actually cut their budget. Now, all the experts and nerds say that the New Orleans PD needs about 1,100 officers in order to maintain order. Now, they were at around 1,200 before these budgetary maneuvers ended up going into effect. And now they're in the high 900s. And they saw a crime increase from prior to the pandemic. And they went from a city that was in the top 10 most violent cities to on pace last year for around the number one or number two slot. I have not looked into exactly where they ended up. So they had a dramatic increase in crime that preceded the pandemic due in large part to the fact that they cut their officers, 911 response times went up and all of these other issues associated with that. So we have a beta test that we can look at a specific city in the United States that implemented these policies before the pandemic if you want to go into that. 
Well, uh, let's look at let's look at a broader sample than just uh, New Orleans. In 2016, uh, we had a uh, group of criminologists who did a systemic review of 62 earlier studies. You're aware of this, right? And of this specific thing you're bringing up right now, no. They were between it was a force size, police force size between of crime between 1971 and 2013. They concluded that 40 years of studies consistently show that quote the overall effect size for police force size on crime is negative, small, and not statistically significant. Okay. Um, I mean that's that runs contrary to your theory, right? That yeah, it's uh, not police just, force it's not size all numbers. It's how you utilize them. For instance, New Jersey had their police, I believe it was the uh, the Trenton police, and their union had negotiated a deal that was so absurd that they could only put 12 officers out on the street and in a, any given night. They actually had to dismantle this. This was cited by John Oliver as an example of defunding the police, reincorporate as the Trenton Metro Police Department so they could put more officers out on the street. And we've known since the Kansas City experiment, and you can look this up, that sending officers to a targeted way can dis- disrupt, disperse, and drive down crime rates. So, yeah, obviously it's how you use them if you just have more employees. Remember, a lot of these places have non-officer employees. They have administration staff and all that. That's not going to have an impact. And there are other policies that you can implement that also play a role. Um, okay. I, I mean, uh, you have these specific things about different cities, but you can't explain the national trends in well, any way. Uh, nationally, before you cut me off way earlier, I was going to talk about the First Step Act. Now, this set a tone in the nation. It was signed by Donald Trump, the evil orange man. It's one of his stupider policies. And it sets up incentives and, of course, any change in culture federally tends to trickle down nationwide for to for people to go soft on youthful offenders, to release nonviolent offenders early, which is a term I absolutely hate because nonviolent criminals can be more devastating than any given murderer, depending on the circumstances. I always like to say Bernie Madoff never punched anybody in the face, but he ruined more lives than most serial killers in the United States of America with his financial crimes. So, yeah, I don't agree with that policy, which was a nationwide policy. And I believe the First Step Act may have been slightly before uh, Floyd. I don't remember the exact date, but I have a feeling it was after when it was signed by Trump. What's the the George First Step Act? When when did that when when the when you don't know when that took? I I can look it up right quick. But but Sean, how can you posit to me that this had an impact and it all happened, and you don't even know when it was implemented. Well, I said it's in and around that time. I don't remember exactly when it was passed. It could have been in and around that time. Um, what do you make and about... I, I've already what explained you to you about, that there were okay. certain reforms that were instituted prior that were combined with other reforms or terrible district attorneys or similar that made them go into effect. Remember the analogy about the House and the support beams? Yeah, no, I remember that analogy. Um what is your answer? And I'm sure you have one. Um, we all know that uh, this guy, uh, Chiesa Boudin, right, in uh, Chiesa Fran- yeah. Boudin in, in uh, San Francisco, was one of these reformists, right? Yes. What do you make about um, what do you make about the uh, the the rise in crime in San Francisco since he was replaced by the uh, police union's um, uh, choice? The new district attorney. Yeah. 
Well, there are some state laws in California that they have to get around. Like one of the stories that I covered recently was a man that was arrested for 77 burglaries, or I'm sorry, convicted. Are, those, are these se- new laws since uh, uh, Chase Boudin has been uh, I believe ousted? That, I believe that they are, yes. So You believe um, that they are? What laws are they? Uh, I forgot. I, I don't know the name of it, but in California, if you're a nonviolent offender, they don't, if you're categorized as a nonviolent offender, they actually don't put you in prison. You have to go to county jail, but county did, jails are did, over. Did, did we over. see similar rises in crime in LA and San uh, yeah, Diego? Yeah, we, we actually saw we actually saw a, a dramatic increase in murder in LA as well since since the time that Kiesa Boudin left office. Since Chesa, well, I'm talking about since 2020. I didn't realize that's what you were specifically asking. Well, but. I mean, because Chesa Boudin is an avatar, uh, and and he left in uh, a year ago. He is an avatar for the reformists. He leaves and then crime pops up across like four or five different measures. Which categories are you referring to? In San Francisco? Violent crimes. Yeah, we can pull it up here in a second. Hello? Hello? Yeah, can you hear us? Vehicle yeah. theft, 2.5. Uh, Homicide, 23%. Robbery, 13%. Yeah, there are other problems and other factors for sure. And again, when Chesa Boudin was in office, he fired, and I believe it's called the Friday Night Massacre or something like that. He fired a bunch of seasoned district attorneys or assistant district attorneys in his office. Like, you know that happened, right? And again, you know those people took other jobs. And again, you know they don't just materialize out of thin air when they replace the prosecutor. Right. Like, yeah, so there are impacts that go beyond that. I mean, if we were talking about any piece of legislation, like, you know, you, you talk often about the impact that Ronald Reagan had on this country. Well, if I said, well, Bill Clinton was president in the 90s, therefore that Ronald Reagan impact doesn't exist, you would not accept that argument. But weirdly, you're trying to put that forward right now for me. Well, I mean, for you, the impact happened in June of 2020, right around yes. the time of the riot. Well, not for me, for the statistics, the, that's the... actually when it started to spike. Right. So and you, data, uh, that, you, would, that would be and, accurate. And just the moment that people started protesting with George Floyd, crime goes up because of its downstream implications. Like time flattens and expands for you in yeah, terms of the way this causality afraid, works. Officers are afraid to do their jobs because they feel like they're being they're going to get prosecuted unwarrantedly. And, you know, like officers that do commit crimes should be prosecuted to make that clear then, yeah, that that could have impacts if officers are leaving the force at record numbers. If early retirements are up and you're losing your most seasoned people, investigators are not, Sam, then, yes, that would cause an increase in crime. Um, and you're going to ignore the uh, meta-analysis about uh, the the from Police Journal about the uh, this relationship between... Uh, well, you said it was a systemic review, and I'm not ignoring it. I don't think... Just expanding your officers or your staff in police on its own is any is anything. It's what you do with that. Like one of the great innovations in New York was that they became one of the most data driven police departments in the entire country. So, yeah, they had a lot of officers because it's New York City. It's the largest city in the union. But it wasn't until they implemented programs like Comstat that they really were able to be effective. Well, what do you mean by effective? Like, I, I'm, I'm curious. Reducing crime. Like- in reducing crime. Yes. But, I mean, have they reduced crime? Like, how, how do you uh, assess that? I would use statistics to assess that. Right. What statistics? What would be your metrics? Because we know so use- we know that, like, for instance, during, like, uh, when before marijuana was made legal, we know 
that for every four times, you know, uh, the, there was like four times the amount of arrests for black people over uh, white people when they smoked a pot. Right. I mean, and I know just from like, you know, the uh, um, uh, it's anecdotal, of course, but um, I see, uh, you know, some people get away with stuff because they live in a wealthy area, let's say, and there's just not as many cops around. They're still still doing the exact same uh, crime. Right. Maybe it's underage drinking. Maybe it's uh, a smoking pot on the street. Uh, I mean, they're still involved in the same thing, but they're not getting arrested. Okay, so as for the marijuana arrest, the Manhattan Institute actually released a report where they broke down the neighborhoods in New York City specifically, which, you know, the four times number comes from New York City, but it is elevated in other places, which I will address later on. And what they ended up discovering was that the biggest indicator on whether or not people were going to be arrested for pot is if they smoked outside and neighbors complained. So while disproportionately, a lot of black and Hispanic neighborhoods ended up with higher rates of marijuana arrests, very notably Astoria, Queens, which is a younger population that is not typically a black population and was also elevated due to the fact that they had complaints. So for that specific arrest, which you're talking about arrest now, not a measure of crime, uh, that is actually explained. And one of the ways it's also explained is by the fact that if you have areas with higher rates of violent crime, you know, murder, assault, homicide, rape, etc., and you deploy officers to those areas, the officers have more opportunity to see and smell things like marijuana, thus would indicate an increase in arrest. So, you know, I wasn't talking specifically about marijuana. When I talk about crime, I'll usually talk about the crimes that are measured by the Uniform Crime Report or by the National Crime Victimization Survey or homicide statistics specifically, because, you know, I'm not somebody who's in favor of the drug war or whatever. So if you want me to say people shouldn't be arrested for pot, sure. But that represents a small portion of what the police actually do. And again, it's not what we're talking about when we're measuring major crimes. Okay. Um, All right. So uh, let's just we can we can move on. I mean, your argument is that uh, it was the George Floyd effect that created uh, the spikes in crimes and that the drops in crimes are uh, a function of what? The drops, like I said, we have a we have a slight drop after a dramatic increase. So, you know, it's within, uh, you know, a lot of these drops that you're talking about, the NYPD, I pulled up the data, is something like total crimes is about 3.9% as compared to last year. So that would be like a normal range that flows year over year. That's not like so. This you're suggesting drop. that this is that 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 crime's not actually dropping. That it's it's more no like no. It's it, it dropped. Mirage. It happened, and I'm glad that it happened. I'll wait for the completed data, the victimization surveys at the end of the year. But yeah, I'm glad that it's happening. Of course. Oh no, I didn't say I didn't I didn't say that you weren't glad. But that again, it was it's happening. a drop I'm after a dramatic that, like, increase. No, I understand it's a drop after a dramatic increase, but. There's been nothing, there's nothing has changed for you. If the cause in my story. Well, certain COVID, things have changed. Eric Adams is reelected, was elected. My, my, it, well, but this is nationwide. My story is, okay. my story is COVID contributed to this nationwide spike in crime. Your story is that the George Floyd protests were yes. the were the uh, primary function of the drive yes, because of crime. during the lockdown okay. crime actually no. dropped okay and 
Well, yes, during the lockdowns, but COVID still was still around. Yeah, three but months I'm later. saying before the people got out and started rioting, crime was dropping during the pandemic. I understand, and no, when people, people were, were probably out, afraid. So, okay, you know. you, you're making your argument. I think it's clear, and I'm saying that the reason why crime is down nationwide, and it is down. You say it's not much, but it is trending down, is because that coincides with society returning to some measure of normalcy after COVID is not killing as many people and hospitalizing as many people and causing the same measure of stress. You say the reason why crime is is dropping a little, but definitely statistically measurable, is because I need to wait to the end of the year to see if it's real. No, no. It, the, I'd say it's dropping, but it's like within a, a normal range. It's like if, if, if I were on your show and I said, I don't know, in 2019, homicides in New York were 299 and then they jumped to the number 312. That's an increase, but that's not a significant increase. It's within the range. We're talking about 13 people. Now, on, you know, obviously those are lives lost and we should consider that. But we also have to take into account that New York is the largest city in the in the world. Now, you're pointing out a similar decrease to that increase and claiming that it's like this dramatic drop, but it's just no, not No, I'm not there. claiming it's a dramatic drop. Well, you're, I'm saying, you're that saying the it's trend dropping, like is reversing. It seems like a normal range that we dr- would see year over year. I hope, it, I hope it would become a trend, but yet, one year is not a trend. Yet the trend is dropping, yet the problem that you attribute the spike to is not changed at all. Well, in in specifically in New York City, which is no, what I was just yeah, referring to. Hold on. Hold on. Specifically in New York City, which I was just referring to. We had a situation where they elected the most tough on crime Democrat. Now, I'm not a big fan of Eric Adams, but that is how he ran. And he ran about putting more police off onto the street. We also have nationwide a lot of these district attorneys like Chesa Boudin. Now, you said crime has gone up in San Francisco. Uh, I don't know. Not I don't, just I, I said it is. Yeah, I mean, so it has. Sure. But it they has. got rid of him. So they're trying to institute some levels of reforms. But obviously, San Francisco police, they're down in terms of recruitment. Obviously, California state law, sometimes state law has a dramatic impact on these specific things. Even Again, though it doesn't have it on others. hold up the house of, of the criminal justice system. So those need to be changed. But yeah, so it depends. There are some reversals. I think those reversals are good. But in places where they're doubling down, like Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, they're still at record homicides. And not record in comparison to 2019. Record all time. Worse than the 1990s. The favorite talking point of the crime denialist. The, uh, the, okay. <laughs> the, um. Yes, people who deny crime. Yes, that's who I'm talking about. What do you mean by deny crime? That they'll try to minimize and deny that the increase is happening. Do what you did with marijuana arrests where you complain, where you assert that it's possibly due to arresting bias, even though that's not how we measure crime. We measure crime in reports and then we do victimization surveys and then we have homicide statistics. We're actually really good at measuring crime. So pointing out arresting bias is a denial. Well, wait a tactic. second. You just said like we're really good at measuring crime, but yes. if you see the statistics are trending down, they're really that's not. I didn't say relevant. I didn't say they're nothing. I said that they're there, but they're within a range that we have now gotten into a new normal. So they're good. I'm always going to root for crime to go down. But what I'm interested in is getting to that all-time low way back in time in that far-off year of 2019. And I think you have to institute the policies that existed in 2019. We haven't even talked about incarceration. You know that prison population is declining in the United States of America, and that also seems to be tied to the increase in crime. 
not in Connecticut. Not in Connecticut in terms of population decreasing? or No, no, not in Connecticut in terms of as uh, their prison uh, population has dropped dramatically, they have instituted all these reforms, and crime is also dropping dramatically in Connecticut. How do you explain that? I would have to look up the crime stats for the state of for, for Connecticut because you tell me that a well, 4%, here, let me, uh, a 4% decrease after a dramatic increase is a dramatic drop, and that's just not true, but I'll right. look it up. Well, let me, uh, let me just uh, uh, pull this up. I have this somewhere here, this story about Connecticut. Uh, it's pretty dramatic. People are pretty excited in Connecticut, my understanding is. Um, here, let me get that for you. You can look that up, too. I think it's a pretty well-known story. I'm surprised that you, I anticipated that you would know about that one. Uh, yeah, I don't know every single state in the Union offhand. Okay. I mean, Connecticut's right next door to us. Okay. Um, where's my Connecticut story here? Bear with me one second. In the meantime, <clears throat> what's that? Bradley sending it. Oh, okay. Um. Violent crime in 2021 uh, down 43% since 2012. Reported crime, mostly burglaries, fell by 29% during that period. Um, But get me that, uh, get me the, I had, oh wait, here it is, sorry. This is uh, from, uh, oh, this is from yesterday, uh, July 27th. Uh, In 1999, Connecticut had so many people in prison, had to send 500 of them to be incarcerated to Virginia. That's uh, part of the story there. Uh, the state's uh, um, uh, rate of 155 people in prison per 100 th- uh, st- uh, residents is now the ninth lowest in the country, well below the national average of 350 people per 100,000. Uh, violent crime decreased 43% from 2012 to 2021. Property crime sank 29% during the same period. The state unleashed a range of changes. This is under uh, Governor Malloy in 2011. So, I mean, it's a long-term trend. State unleashed okay. a range of changes, including repealing the death penalty, bumping the age at which juveniles could be charged as adults from 16 to 18 for most crimes. I think you were against that one in New York. Eliminating uh, yes. some sentencing guidelines that affected predominantly people of color. Um, they have now been able to close, I think, uh, a bunch of prisons. Um he said, uh, this is Malloy, who's now, I guess, a um, chancellor of the, the University of Maine system. Not only had the state uh, built too many prisons, but had a mix of old buildings and new prisons built for maximum punishment instead of facilities where people could be rehabilitated. Uh, in 2016, Malloy, uh, they went to prisons in Germany and they came back and they did this. I, you must, I would imagine you would hate this. Uh, it led to the creation of a true unit at a correctional facility truthfulness to oneself and others, respectfulness towards the community, understanding and elevating into success. It was all programs uh, to mentor people, and uh, they have been sending less people to prison, and they have less crime. So why would you think I would hate a rehabilitation program? It just seems super soft. No, uh, first of all, I want to do smart things on crime. I don't want to just be cruel for no reason. If you told me, if you told anybody in this country that you could take a criminal and make them a productive member of society, they would sign up for that easy. Like, obviously, the problem is overly policing areas that rehabilitation programs have 
bad data around them. One of the things that I'll actually commend London Breed for over in San Francisco is in a recent emergency crime bill, she actually pushed for, you know, studying the way that these programs work. Now, in terms of the state of Connecticut, they might have had the crime drop, according to you. I'll take your word for it. But I do want to point out that the report that you're highlighting, a big editor's note in it, is that it glosses over the fact that clearance rates have actually dropped in the state of Connecticut. It was 16.7% going into 2020, and now it's 24.4, sorry, 23.4%. So it's had a dramatic increase in clearance in the unsolved crimes. Okay. So there are problems, but you know, yeah, not like everything has a marginal utility. So just because reducing prison or just because increasing prison population to a certain point can reduce crime doesn't mean you will continually benefit in crime reductions just by arbitrarily increasing the prison population. Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www www.fighterflare.com
Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting modes, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. We, uh, by, by, by sending more, less people to prison and uh, crime reducing, I don't know if there's a causality there, but it seems to be a long-term trend. You're saying that impacts the clearance rates. No, no, I just said that their clearance rates are up. It's not all rosy. I'm looking at this like Lamont. Well, but, but, but why does it. their why, why does their why would that affect their clearance rates? Well, I didn't say that, well, maybe some of their reforms or losing officers like nationwide trends would affect their clearance you, rate. You think that, I didn't that, say decreasing that, the prison population did. You just cited all this positive data from the state of Connecticut. I pull up the report that you're referring to and they're like, listen, there is a caveat. The police are actually less productive in the state of Connecticut, which could be attributed to some, not all the reforms. I'm not saying the prison population reduction necessarily makes officer clearance rate going down. I'm just pointing out that this is happening. Like this How is does also reducing happening in the, state of the number of incarcerated individuals inhibit the did, did, uh, did I not just say I'm not saying that reducing the okay, you just brought it up when I was talking about some other we were talking topic, about Connecticut like, overall um, okay. and you were painting a very rosy picture of the state of Connecticut. I think the crime being down 25 percent is uh, pretty is rosy, even I'm, if I'm the clearance rates are not as high, because I'm very I mean, theoretically, there's two reasons why you want higher clearance rates. Right. One is presumably because you want to take uh, people off the streets who have committed a crime. A, because uh, they've committed a crime, but B, you don't want them to commit a second crime. And yes. uh, B, obviously, for some type of closure for the victims. Uh, but we do see um, significant drops in crime uh, yeah. as we have less incarcerated people and these reforms, well, which you had said you had a problem with. But let's well, I get do, to, I do have a problem. Let's with get it, to the causes again. of crime. Let's get to the causes of crime. I think we've we've examined this. Well, your, well Sam, again, I, I, said this mil- of, I said this a million times. Pillars in a building. You can knock down one pillar. But if Connecticut has other things institutionally that are working to reduce crime, then that might not bring down the whole building. So in this instance, but nice saying, uh, pulling out one specific state after coming down on me for doing that about just, cities uh, and all that. It was just an article I found that was in the show. news two days ago, so that's why it was there. But um, wh- let's uh, uh, let's talk about the other thing that you wanted to discuss, and that was uh, the excusing of crime by blaming poverty. Yes. I, now I, I I will admit that I did not um, see this exchange with you and Emma, and I did not ask her. I've never heard her say that I excuse um, excuse crime because of poverty. Uh, I, I would suspect that she would argue, at least in part, that crime is a function of poverty, right? Not, not, not you get a get-out-of-jail-free-if-you're-poor-and-you've-committed-a-crime, uh, you live in poverty, but rather that crime is a function of poverty. I would imagine that's what she was saying. And no, specifically when I brought up that 327 people in the city of New York are arrested 
for a third of the shoplifting arrests in the city of New York, which represents over 6,000 arrests. She said that those people are the most desperate and they're doing it because they need to survive or to to sustain their lives. So in other words, that that poverty sounds like an excuse to me. So, yes, that would be excusing crime with the poverty excuse. Uh, to me, it sounds like um, an argument as to what is driving crime. But I, I did, like I say, I, I'm not familiar well, with I, that. I, I argued, and I'll argue what here, do you think that the is... fact that we're not able to hold repeat offenders is what is causing that. If you locked up those 327 people, guess what? You have a third of the retail theft arrests gone because how, they keep committing the crime. How many people would you have to lock up to make sure that you got the right 327? Well, it would be the, for that specific issue it would be the 327 that are arrested a grand total of 6,000 times. So, so it'd be wh- the 327. So when would, would be you, the when would you lock them up and throw away the key to save from the shoplifting? Uh, well, it wouldn't be, it would be charge them seriously, hold them in, in, in waiting for their trial and then convict them, prosecute them seriously. Yes. But uh, but 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 you're saying if we lock up those 327 essentially yes. and don't let them out, we're going to have less shoplifting. That's yes. what you're saying, right? All right. Now you don't know That's what who, the data says. When do you know that it's those 327? The first time they shoplift? No, I mean if you, I'm talking about repeat offenders, so it would be okay. when they have repeat. That's what offenses. I'm asking. How many? So two. Two shoplifting offenses gets you locked up for as well, long so as you want. We should prosecute shoplifting and retail theft seriously from the jump. The idea that this is a victimless crime is nonsensical. But let's say if you're arrested for five times, which, by the way, again, it's 6,000 spread over 327 people, then we don't let you out without bail. Like a judge would be able to have judgment to determine that you are a repeat offender and you are whole held. You're held uh, in, in like where? Where would you put them in? Like a Rikers or something? In a, in a jail. And there's no uh, there's no dollar figure, right? We just. Uh, well, aren't you against cash bail because you know poverty? Yeah, I, I I am against cash bail. Yeah, so I would want the judges right now. They can't assess dangerousness in the state of New York. I would want them to Are be shoplifters able to dangerous. Is I mean, according to you. Yeah, they're repeat offenders, and eventually a bunch of these people, when confronted, get into physical altercations, and people have been killed over that. I've covered multiple stories of Home Depot workers being killed. We find out that the person behind the theft that led to killing that worker was arrested a bunch of times for these so-called petty crimes. You could have got them off the streets, and then somebody dies over it. Some poor person who works, you know, for whatever, $15 an hour at Home Depot gets killed by somebody who wanted a power drill. So, yeah, I want those people off the streets for sure. So what do you think uh, drives crime? What I think drives crime? Yeah. Well, I think think policy, I think public policy has a big impact. There are people that are opportunistic that will commit crime if they think there are no consequences, whether they be social or whether they be through the criminal justice system. And I've broken this down. You can think of it as a pyramid with three layers. The lowest part of the pyramid is the criminal justice system, the actual consequences. And the reason why this is one of the lowest deterrents is be, and by the way, I'm not making this up. This comes from like, you know, criminal justice theory. The reason why this is one of the lowest deterrents. I was is assuming be, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt yeah, that you're not. I'm just, up I'm the just saying stuff, it's not my, right? it's not my theory. But the the deterrence doesn't really work. It's not really that effective because most people, when they commit a crime, don't think they're going to get caught. The right. next stage in that pyramid would be the social consequences. So if people will treat you like a pariah, if you are arrested and convicted of a crime, that is a stronger deterrent against you committing crimes. 
And then the third, the top of the pyramid, the number one thing is if you believe that the law is moral and or just, that is what's going to prevent you from criminality. Okay. And so um, it, if you live in a society where like you, you, everybody lives in uh, around you lives in extreme poverty, uh, do you think that um, numbers, I think, like, was it uh, two and three on your pyramid? I mean, in other words, like, so what would you do if I put you in charge of uh, of, of social policy and you could be you could be king for a day uh, or, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever it is? Uh, what would you do? Would you what would you do to to what do you think the most effective thing we could do to fight? Uh, like you say, there's always going to be some uh, folks who, I don't know, uh, like uh, living on the edge and uh, committing crimes. But but broadly speaking, what would you do? Uh, how do you mean? Well, you just uh, worked out a, a pyramid for us. And so uh, put that into practice, if that's the pyramid that you believe in. Again, like, how do you how do you mean? Like, I just told you what prevents people uh, what prevents people from committing crimes. Like, how would I put that into practice? Are you talking about from a law enforcement point of view? It would depend entirely where I am, because crime is different depending on the city. It's very much down to the local municipality. So if I was designing an intervention for New York City, it would be completely different than an intervention for the city of St. Louis or the city of Chicago. So again, like, what do you mean? Okay, what would you do in uh, in New York City, let's say, to deal with uh, crime? I mean, you're like I've I, I mean, I guess like when we're looking at the the causes of crime here and, and you just laid out some type of, uh, of of pyramid, it sounded like you discounted the the punishment one, which was the widest one. Right. I mean, yeah, my well, understanding deterrence, that, actually. But yes. yeah, but that doesn't deter you. You don't think that deters because people don't think they're going to get caught. Yeah, a lot of people don't think they're going to get caught. So that's so, why I'm so in favor. So it's not a function of cops in no, no, terms I, of like... No, no, you, you misunderstand. It, yeah. Deterrence is not that effective of a strategy from a law enforcement level. But that doesn't mean incapacitation is not an effective strategy. So incapacitation so up more would, be, people. would be removing repeat offenders. And, and, and so uh, locking up more people. But how would you get there, I guess, is what you're talking about. Uh, the first thing I would do in the state of New York, because, again, it is dependent on the area, is that I would get rid of bail reform law and allow judges to have judgment. I think it's ridiculous the way we operate in the city of New York. If we're concerned about people that are poor that can't afford their bail for lower crimes, I understand that. I would reduce the bail amounts. But what I need is for the judges to be able to assess dangerousness. Dangerousness. So you're only talking violent crimes. Um, or repeat offenders, you know, like the original bail reform, and they've amended it to remove certain things, uh, didn't even factor in bail jumping as a crime that could get you held. So if you didn't show up for court. But then, now that's changed. When did that change? I, I, that They might have changed that specific portion. But I know they removed, they used to have aggravated vehicular manslaughter as a charge that was not bail eligible. And they did change that. So, like, yeah, there have been some changes to it. They actually update it every year around April when the budget comes in. So I'm not exactly sure which specific crimes, but I want judges to be able to assess repeat offenders. I don't want to be in a position where they cannot hold somebody as long as they commit this crime. And then they're incentivized to recommit the same crime over and over again. So you want um, so you want, let's say uh, you'd be OK with like uh, uh Judge's discretion on bail if it's someone who has been uh, arrested for 
uh, five times on the same crime. Is that it? Yeah, depending on the crime, of course. Right. If it's jaywalking, I don't care about jaywalking. You don't think people should be arrested for jaywalking, do no. you? Okay. I mean, even ticketing. It's New York City. I mean, everybody crosses every which way, you right. know. Um, and uh, But you think that's the most important thing, bail reform. I think bail reform is a huge deal in the state of New York, and it impacts almost every county. I believe when um, the governor's race was going on, we had something like uh, like ninety eight percent of counties, or ninety eight out of uh, out of like one hundred and one counties. I don't remember exactly how many counties, so it might have been a percentage that saw an increase in crime. So uh, you discount the bottom uh, part about deterrent on that uh, pyramid. What was yeah, the deterrence second? is the lowest and le- and one of the <clears throat> least effective? Yes. I don't get why that's on the, uh, but uh, so uh, on the bottom that you think is the least effective. Yeah. And then the middle one is, what's the next one? That would be like societal pressure. If you feel like you're going to be an outcast from your community or treated like a pariah, like the social pressure that keeps you in line. Okay. And then social pressure, right? And uh, so um, how would you increase, um, how would you increase that social pressure? Well, I think we should do more to stigmatize criminals for sure like we how stop would you doing stigmatize this. how would you stigmatize well, criminals i would more? i would stop treating like them like they're aladdin like your co-host does where they're just like thieves with a heart of gold uh i would i would stop like sympathizing with them and how sympathize many, with the victims okay so you so we in the in the case of shoplifting we should sympathize with like walmart or something more and we should we should sympathize with the community who has to pay for that in higher prices or the people who lose their jobs because these stores uh, shut down. We should sympathize with these people you think that stores have to end, shut up, down because have to of, end uh... up traveling further due to the fact that there's less grocery stores in their area. Yeah, we should sympathize with them rather than the opportunistic thieves. OK. And so um, and so you think that um, that uh, there's there's thieves out there that um, Emma's you know, walking amongst. And uh, they're all like that Emma's yeah, walking Emma. amongst. No, I would never say that. I would never think she would actually. You live think the thieves the are watching the show? You think the 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 thieves are watching the show and they're going? It's okay. More no, no, there's a gen- retire. There's a gen- it's not just the majority report per se, but there's this general dismissive nature towards these retail thieves. Like you can see it on every on every reply in the videos. Like now, there's Has people that, that are definitely over time? against. Them. Has that changed over time? I think, yes, people have become more sympathetic to people and possibly due to the fact that we have the pandemic. So the excuse is that these people but wait are wait a second, struggling. dude. Why was there this huge drop in crime? Uh, 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 why was this huge drop in crime? Why did that take place? It, 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 so in 1990, for instance, let's say, or 87, people were too sympathetic to uh, shoplifters. Oh, and, and then... And the, and- in the 90s, later in the 90s, they were less sympathetic to shoplifters, and that's why it went down. Well, no, there is an overall sentiment change. I mean, for you to not acknowledge this is ridiculous. Like, go look at Joe Biden on the floor of the Senate pushing the crime bill and listen to the way Joe Biden talks about crime now. I'm into I crime was high. My point is crime was higher. 1990s then. Joe Biden. Yeah, passing a law. 1990s a Joe law. Biden was harsher on crime and yes. crime began yes. to drop precipitously. Yes. Crime started to drop uh, or drop nationwide after that crime bill. Yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. And then and then 
uh, and then crime shot up. Like when? When did we start as a society? Just in the past two years, have we gotten more sympathetic to to shop? I do think people have become more sympathetic to criminals and less sympathetic to the police. A hundred percent. I I don't know about your coverage. Is it about the police? Or is it about the criminals? I thought it was. Well, we're really talking about, about cultural attitudes related to crime in the criminal justice system. So yeah, okay. when I talk about retail thefts, there's a lot of excuse making. I'm sure you have people on your staff that have said it's no big deal. Or my favorite one, where it's like wage theft actually is more than the the retail theft. You know, why as is if that, wage why theft isn't spread that? out over the entire economy, as if that has anything to do with what we're talking about in the first well, place. Wait a second. Wait a second. You just said the problem. You just said the problem uh, uh, with um, with shoplifting is what it does to the community. You don't yeah. think you don't think wage theft? There is there's something like what what are the numbers that you understand wage theft to be on an annual? Well, basis? I know that you guys like to use the 2013 chart because it has a very big disparity that comes what from the you, economic policy. What do you policy think Institute? the wage? Well, I mean, it's not just the Economic Policy Institute, but what do you what do you put wage theft at? I, I would put it at the tens of billions. I think the number that you guys often cite is around fifty billion, even though what you're citing is the billion. wages recovered. But you no, know, the, the wages recovered, under- wages recovered was 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 closer to I think uh, twenty billion. But the the annual, I mean, the estimates I've seen are anywhere from like three to six billion dollars annually, because you don't always recover it. I mean, at all. Um, but you think that that loss we recovered would be twenty billion, but the annual twenty billion total over the course six? of ten years. Um, over the course of ten years, yeah, that's the stat that uh, the DOJ puts out. The um, but the 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 point is is that you, I just want to be clear on this: shoplifting hurts a community more than people. I didn't say it hurts a community more; it's just a different problem. So what well, you're doing, well, is crime. So what you guys do is, is I talk crime? about a problem, or someone like me talks about a well, problem. Wait, Sean, is that and not then you crime? say, "Hey, look at don't this other meta. problem"? Don't get meta. Just address. Makes to who cares? Don't, I guess. Don't don't get meta. Just address the issue. This is wage theft, right? We both agree it's a crime. Yeah, you shouldn't do it, and I'm in favor of well, them it's illegal. It it's not just it's it. not it's yes. it's illegal. Okay, I just prosecuting. said I'm in favor of the so, prosecution of it. And in fact, we're talking about the same people too, right? Like, because when you say, "Well, people don't uh, sympathize with a corporation when there is uh, there is shoplifting, and it's going to hurt the workers there and the community because of high prices and presumably, you know." Uh, uh, high prices are going to hurt low-income uh, people more than others. Well, to, to be clear, well, we're I not, just want to be clear. I just want to be clear what you're saying. Well, we're, we're that not talking. is that is how is that really not hitting the exact same players? Well, Sam, we're not talking about the same people because again, wage theft is spread out over the entire economy. When we talk about retail theft, that typically now I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, involves the retail sector. So what you're actually doing is Where do you expanding think wage the theft denominator. Is highest? I would think probably in government contracts, a lot of these have issues with the Davis-Bacon law where they're underpaying. It probably is in major corporations with unpaid overtime. I think it's in a lot of different places, but I do know that a lot of illegal immigrants in the United States of America are entitled to the wages under Davis-Bacon, and they often get cheated. And it is a great moment years later, although sometimes their lives are ruined, when investigators find out that they're backdated pay and they give them a huge check. So I would think it happens in multiple different sectors, not just retail. 
but yeah, and it has multiple different forms. I mean, uh, all right. So uh, you're just keying in on shoplifting. That's the crime. The well, when we talk about retail crime. theft, we typically talk about retail theft. No, I understand. You're doing a two wrongs makes a who cares. No, I'm just saying. I'm just. I just find it curious. But that, that's that's fine. Uh, you were the one who brought up wage theft. I just well, want to be clear. Uh, yeah, on that. because it's a common retort by people who are trying to. Don't get so the meta. Issue. Then we won't get hung up on these things. It's also, um, and you know, so, nobody talks about stealing from your employer, which many years is actually higher than wage theft. But, you know, there's that, too. OK, um, uh, I yeah, I don't uh, I, I I guess nobody talks about that. It's not on the charts that you present from the Economic Policy Institute. I, I mean, I, dude, you brought up wage theft. Yeah, because I don't it's know a common retort and I've seen it brought up on your show. Well, yeah, wage theft is an issue. Um, yeah, I never we, said we've it also brought up, uh, you know, that uh, corporations lie about how much they're getting, um, uh, how much they're uh, they're they're suffering from um, from uh, uh, from you know uh, p- petty theft. I mean, uh, Walmart, I think, executive admitted that on a call with uh, financiers. Walgreens. They blow it up. So you're talking about a Walgreens executive where yeah. he said, or she, I don't remember. I think it might have been a woman. That it was uh that we may have overstated this in this specific Walgreens call, but I do remember when Walgreens got into it with London Breed, who claimed that it was completely overstated, and they clarified about four times that they closed due to the increase in theft specifically in San Francisco. And honestly, it should be it should be alarming that these stores are closing in left wing cities disproportionately, considering the giant subsidy that they got from the vaccines. Remember, these corporations were essentially given welfare by being able to be the distributors of these vaccines. That draws people into the stores. And yet, at the same time, there's a giant reduction in the number of storefronts in these areas. So you would think in places where I'm sure they actually COVID had, had higher... nothing to do with uh, with the, the closure of those stores. Well, COVID, COVID actually had everything to do with the boost in business because these were the distributors of the vaccine. No, I understand they were to distribute the vaccine, but you're also aware that, like, you know, uh, people's uh, uh, purchasing uh, patterns uh, changed dramatically during COVID. There's a lot of, like, uh, restaurants that uh, closed. There's a lot yeah, I mean, of, they closed uh, restaurants, okay. and if you weren't able to ship to delivery, you were pretty All much right. screwed And over. so um, uh, you, you think we need to stigmatize... Um, uh, criminals, for sure, 100%. Criminals more, and that will uh, do it. And... How do you think we how do you think we stigmatize criminals like what what part of society like we know that there's and, and you don't believe do you believe there's a correlation between poverty and extreme poverty uh, with with crime? Yes, I, I know for a fact that crime drives poverty in the United States of America and the world over. Okay. So, yes, there's a, there is a correlation. Uh, do you think that there is a correlation between uh, that the poverty drives crime? Yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Crime drives poverty. Yeah. Okay. I'm asking you specifically, I know that you, you're, you're arguing that you think crime creates poverty, but I'm asking you now, do you think that poverty creates crime? I think in certain circumstances, I'm sure it could happen if you go down to a certain level, for sure. But I think that in that order mean, to if build you go down to a certain level, what is yeah, that? Mean? If you're like, well, we have like, um, well, actually, even that is is a bit of a dubious notion. So like American poverty, like you would acknowledge is relative poverty compared to poverty in like the third world. I mean, he... like you understand that somebody in the United States of America in poverty would be under twelve thousand dollars which would be different from somebody who's living on a dollar fifty a day like well, under you understand $12, that, that poverty is really a function of purchasing power right sure purchasing power could have an impact 
I mean, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, we all, all, all poverty measures. Yeah. Are yeah a function for, uh, of, you can, of you can state, adjust right? it for, yeah, sure. Right. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, if you had no stores, there'd be no, uh, uh, there'd be no theft of stuff in there and that's not really relevant, but okay. Yes. I understand I that. Mean, you yes. Typically need if a you are in living in America and you are poor, uh, theoretically, um, well, you, you have a- access to more stuff than, let's say, you live somewhere else. But yes. You do? Okay. 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 All right. And? Yeah, so you're talking about relative poverty. So I'm saying at a certain amount, yes, when there's, like, genuine desperation, like, I could see circumstances where that's happening. But what we typically see is that crime is driving the poverty, like when these people steal from their areas, when they what damage places. What do you think places. drives crime? What I think drives, I think people, people, a certain percentage of the population is going to be criminal. They need to be removed from society. So I would say human nature would be a, would be a good example. Human nature? Yeah, it's okay. a small percentage of the population that exhibits like a deviant kind of behavior. Okay, so what do you think drives the majority of crime? I just said that. Oh, you, you think it's just people who are born criminals? I wouldn't say born criminals, but people who, when you don't have the proper deterrence in place, will commit crimes, yes. And those deterrents could be police I, I, deterrence, like I said earlier, okay, okay, or wait, wait, wait. social no, but, deterrence, but, but, or whatever. Not, like, everybody is subject to the same deterrence, right? Uh, not necessarily. We'll, we'll explain this. Because I'll give I, you, I, so, so I'll give you an example. So in New York City, disproportionately, the people who live in public housing happen to be Orthodox Jewish people, right? They do not commit crimes at the same rates as other demographics. They're, in fact, among the lowest. They commit crimes near around where Asians do. So they're probably better than your average middle class white person in the city of New York. I think that they have a stronger social structure than other groups in the United States of America, even if they're equivalent in poverty levels. So if I was to look at, like, the incarceration rates of black people, for instance, sure. relative to white people, your argument would be that there's something fundamental about their social structure that is uh, that is uh, why that we, we see those incarceration rates high. Well, it would be based on their behavior for the one-to-one, but if you're asking me for, like, an underlying cause to the behavior, which, by the way, I don't care about because root causes are not more important than any other cause— Let's be clear about that. So this is just like another rabbit hole, pointless like argument that has nothing to do with the subject matter. In my opinion, it's not useful or productive. But yeah, I would say that there is there are definite cultural differences between uh, what were the groups you said, black Americans and white Americans. Uh, yeah, yeah. Between there's definitely cultural differences between black Americans and white Americans, and more tolerance to criminality. And by the way, there's differences between black New Yorkers and black people in Chicago. And that's also reflected in the rates. And I think that does lead to different outcomes in terms of criminal justice. And you think it's unrelated to um, uh, things like uh, poverty or systemic racism or. Well, if uh, we have, so if we're going to use poverty as the metric and we compare poor black Americans to poor Asians or poor Hispanics, and by the way, Hispanics commit more crimes on average, but less than black Americans, then obviously poverty is not the determining factor if the crime rates vary wildly. Well, I have an analogy for you. Um, When you're building a house and you have different uh, um, uh, you have different uh, uh, foundations and you pull one out, 
So, I mean, poverty yeah, I think may not the be interval... determinant, but maybe when you mix poverty with other sort of like structural factors in society, people's have less reason to uh, feel a, a stigma about crime or less reason to be invested in society. Do you, but like, you don't subscribe Can you, can you give an example? Can I give an example? Yeah, but of this other factor. Well, I mean, I think that, like, um, if you have been stuck in extreme poverty for extended periods of time, if you live in a society where it is harder for you to... Uh, uh, to find housing or loans or to get out of a specific area in which you're living. Um, if you have been subjected to um, a, a, uh, a socialization that labels you as a criminal uh, or that your activity just walking around is criminal, that it might create Who, that. Who's being arrested for walking around? Well, not arrested, but harassed. I mean, I think you you wouldn't deny. I mean, your argument would be there's more violent crime in certain areas, and that's why there's more cops. But we also know that, I mean, if if you're a black teen and you're walking uh, the, the streets in some neighborhoods, uh, you are far more likely to get uh, stopped and harassed uh, by the cops than if you're a white well, teen. I wouldn't say I mean, harassed, but you are more likely to interact with police. Yes, okay. there's more police there. I, I mean, I think from the perspective of that person uh, who is interacting with the police after having done nothing, they would perceive it as harassment for you sure. If, if I was if I was a law abiding person in a black neighborhood and I had to interact with the police due to the fact that you know criminals are acting up in my neighborhood, then that would get under my skin. I mean, I have... what if you were like pulled over uh, in like your car? I mean, I uh, I've told this story on the show many times, but I was an actor uh, uh, back in the day, and Damn, you're uh, still an actor, buddy. Just because there's a strike doesn't mean that they're not going to resolve that. No, that's true. I do do some voice work, but uh, nevertheless, I would. Uh, I was on a sitcom at one point, and um, uh, it was a, a majority black cast. And uh, one of the buddies was. Uh, we went back to his uh, place, and we we pull in uh, into the uh, underground driveway uh, parking lot. And a buddy of his pulls in behind us, and he's got one of those uh, Range Rovers. And at that time, that was a very popular car. Uh, in uh, L.A. with, like, uh, the Hollywood set. Uh, this is back in the 90s. And he pulls in. He's like, thank God you're here. I just got, uh, uh, I was getting followed again by the cops. I've been pulled over four times in the past two months. Uh, and uh, they check to see if I own the car. And I called the uh, police department to see if I could get a sticker or something. And the, he said, the sergeant literally said, are you black? And I said, yes. And he said, there's nothing I can do. Now, if you're a law-abiding citizen and you're driving the car that you earned to, and you bought the car and you're getting that type of harassment, you don't think it impacts your perspective on society? No, I think it does. And uh, this is Los Angeles in what time period? It was in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously, you know... There, but I, but I you think, just exceeded to me that... Uh, conceded yeah, to no, me that, I think, that this I happens think that can to 17-year-old boy, uh, uh, boys uh, in New York I mean, you could call me City. crazy, but I don't think you're saying that your friend turned into a criminal because he was pulled over. He seemed like he was really annoyed. I think I, if I... I think if... I think if... if I, I think if that happened to me, and I didn't have a nice car, but rather I just got stopped every time I, I, I walk out of my house or stopped, I don't know, once a month every time I'm out of my house, which is not then, hard then to find. Then you start committing rapes? Like, I don't, I don't, no, I would start uh, having a far less uh, um, respect for society. 
and a far less uh, 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 a perspective on that. Yeah, I definitely think that. I, I mean, I look, I, I, rate, I've, but I, I understand you don't watch my my uh, like you don't watch any of my videos or anything like that. But I said true. repeatedly, I think the warning needs to be brought back in terms of policing. I think writing tickets for expired registration when you're in areas with elevated rates of shootings. All that does is piss people off and turn the community against you. So there's definitely better ways to implement policy to get the community on your side. Like I've been a huge advocate for consent searches, which is if, and this started in St. Louis in the nineties, which is if you're afraid that your kid is involved in a gang or might have a gun or might get shot, they have a high rate of youth homicides still high to this very day. Then you can call the police consent to a search They'll look for contraband, but they won't arrest your kid. I think that and they'll send your kid to a diversion program before they get into a shooting and all that. So I think that is a good policy to build community relations with the police. Like the way that you're speaking is as if I don't believe in that, even though I think that's absolutely crucial to the police being effective. Okay. All right. Well, I think this was uh, was uh, productive, Sean. All right. And I appreciate you coming on. Um it, uh, uh, I, are you are you happy? Oh uh, yeah, you uh, thank the you. Debate, and I think it. Thank, uh, thank you for having the conversation. Listen, I know you want people that have been ducking you and all that, and uh, this is what prompted me to just ask for the conversation. I appreciate oh, it. Oh yeah, no, I say yes to just about everybody. Maybe too much, but yeah, I, and I you do. didn't, and you didn't have to do it. Like I, a lot of people immediately presumed because I issued the challenge, and like they didn't hear a like direct announcement on a billboard or something. That like I was somehow entitled to it. I obviously not entitled to it. I thank you for your time. You've been quite gracious during the course of this conversation, even if there were parts where I felt like you were trying to get you get me on a gotcha. But thank you for your time. Well, I mean, uh, I, I was just ex- exploring. I don't know what you mean by a gotcha. I've never seen any of the the, the other stuff you've done. But okay, uh, I appreciate that. Actually, I got a question for you. If we're going to do a gotcha, sure. You're into criminal justice, right? Uh, or to, you don't like the criminal part, actual justice, right? You don't like the adjective beforehand. What did you think when, when, uh, and, and I, I will concede, I did not see the, the, the whole Tim pool interview uh, with you guys, with you and Emma. Did you think that she was a pedophile after that uh, conversation? No. So do you did you see that when Tim accused her of being a pedophile from what was said in that conversation? I, I didn't see that specific clip, but I, I have heard about it. And if he said like she's a pedophile or whatever, then that's totally uncalled for and unprompted. Yeah, that's what I thought. That sounded weird yeah. to me, but I, I appreciate I, you you're saying I, that. I appreciated Tim having me on, but I don't like I'm not an employee of his or anything like that. Even though on the later show I said I moved into his property. I did not see that, but uh, have fun there. I heard he's got a great skate park. I, right, he John. does. <laughs> it's, it's a, I'm not a skateboarder, but it's a skateboarder's paradise, you know, presumably. Yeah, let's go to the YouTube studio. Yeah, it's already on Max, guys. I don't know. I could I could do the uh the thing where I um, you know, like say words louder, like yeah, I could talk like an idiot if you want. But uh, yeah, that was fun. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I, I was I was waiting for the racism trap. I thought it was coming at the end, but it did not appear to be prepared properly, which was fun. Um, 
you know, I, I think I pointed out a bunch of things that Sam was doing when he was like changing up his argument, and that was also fun. Um, you know, like I, I genuinely enjoyed that. Like, you know, but then again, I am like psychopathic and a YouTuber, so I enjoy these kind of things. But, uh, you know, obviously you guys will be the determining factor of whether or not it w- went well or not. And then his audience, you know, you know, you know, that's that's how it will work. Uh, it was nice for them to not be able to deflect to Tim Pool. All right. So let me just drag this window within view. I'll move this over here so that way I can see myself. Uh, I still have a video to edit today, which is, you know, yeah, no, no, this is not exactly what I want to do. But, uh, yeah, as long as it's all coming through, though, for you guys, then that's great. Um, okay, so I'm going to read these Super Chats. I'm going to try to power through them. If there's any questions... <laughs> Jesus, I just see the second one. Um, so, Auroch, A-U-R-O-C-H, sent $2, no Super Chat. Make the transition for $5, says Anna Kasparian just announced that she's pregnant. I don't believe that's true because I'm seeing it in a super chat. But to be clear, her husband would be the father, okay? And I am not her husband, for all the, all of those of you who think that we're going to start dating. Um, 3x3nilo, uh, you guys with the names, did drink every time Sam attempts to reframe AJW when AJW attempts to make it clear, uh, make a clear and direct argument or inquiry, I predict constant reframed arguments. I think you would be dead if you drank uh, on those intervals. I think I, I, I disavow because I don't want you guys to die. I, I care about you guys. So, yeah. Um, the next one is uh, Fector Mephititis, who says, I hope we can watch it from here. I hate the thought of giving Sammy Bucks a view. Yeah, um, I'm glad we got it to work out. They did not provide me the link that I needed. There's an embed link with the software that they utilized, and they were not turning that over. They said it was a security issue and all that. But here's the thing. Uh, There was a way to work around it, but they decided not to. But I got permission to do the stream snipe. So that is there. I did the stream snipe, and it only took a few minutes to uh, set up. So that worked out great. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Uh, it was a little delayed from Sam's thing, but you know what? The OBS software actually came through in a big way to make this happen. So um, for voice of the people, don't give Sam an inch. Keep him on point against the ropes. Let's enjoy watching this pathetic excuse for a human squirm. And listen, I appreciate him doing it, but I do think that when he tried to say, oh, it's just this factor, like very much try to straw man my argument. I made a point to say, no, I do say it's a it's a confluence of factors. He wanted like a specific percentage. You know, the, it is a good debate tactic to say, you know, ask for specifics and all that. But I, I think I avoided those traps for the most part. Uh, Julian Giangrande, you know, for somebody who's half Latino, I don't speak Latin words very well, says, Sean, what up, my man, for $5? Kumi2 for $5 in a currency I don't understand uh, says nothing. Uh, Filthy Casual says your volume is low, you Muppet. Uh, thank you for your kind words and contribution. X uh, 3x3Nilo says Sam 
uh, seems to have a history of being uninformed. Well, I knew that right away where he was talking about how, um, you know, he was like appealing to my credentials. It was a way to like kind of puff me up before he took me down. But I think he only got step one of that, not step two. So, you know, but yeah, I was, I was aware of that coming. Also, like, to be clear, I've never really mentioned like the degrees and the education and all that because I don't think it's that important. Uh, the only time or the first time it came up is when Vosh was asking if I was a lawyer or something. So yeah, that, that was not, that's not something that I ever do. Uh, because I don't think, you know, you could have a degree in something and be like completely worthless in communicating that information. And I feel like I learned maybe where to look, but like my curiosity is what like led me to find these sources and all that. So I don't think anybody like, it's not beyond the grasp of anybody. Um, for Nico Arcadia, uh, common sense says low crime equals civilization. Honesty, honesty, honesty. That was for $10. Thank you. Voice of the people again for $5. The numbers are going down because Alvin Bragg is downgrading and dismissing charges. So this would be inaccurate because the reports, not the charges determine the crimes. Now, uh, the numbers are going down, but they're like within a, you know, reasonable, they're within a similar range. Like I wouldn't be on this channel complaining about an increase of that range. So, you know, um, and we have big time who says Larry Krasner doesn't charge the cat blacks with gun charges in Philly. Yes. I would have loved to harp on Philly versus the crime is not as bad as the 1990s. Three X three Nilo. Sean doesn't know how to deal with interruptions. I feel like I, I interrupted back a couple of times, a long story short, Adams did bring back the plain clothes last year. Yes. I do think that has an impact. Spencer Harmon for $20 says Sam, but spelled S at sign, is garbage. Just garbage. I think he was doing an Anna Kasparian. You are garbage. Uh, Black Blast Radius, uh, listen to me. Blast Radius says, trust me, Cedar will... Cedar would not be a crime denier if this crap was in his community daily. Trust me on that. This is how leftists like him operate. Uh, Joshua029 for $10 USD says that dude on the left is going to have back problems from carrying around this gigantic brain. Uh, thank you. I think I was on the left. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, me Meloath for $10. Thank you. Marcos for $1. Thank you. Uh, 3X Nihilo. I, every time I pronounce that name, I pronounce it wrong for $5. Sean is coming off bad. Good luck moderating it out of the chat. Thumbing the scales of the audience perception makes you seem like a fragile, makes you seem fragile in bad faith. I, I don't think I did that, but thank you for the five dara anyway. Uh, Blast Radius. How did the pandemic lead to a spike in crime when the lockdowns and curfews were, were happening uh, everywhere in America, Cedar. Yeah, so during the initial lockdowns, crime went down because nobody was outside. So I, you know, obviously there was a change post the riots. Mike Fuss says, investigators solve crimes that actually puts criminals in prison, that prevents crimes. That was actually one of my favorite parts where I, br where I brought up that a lot of these people were seasoned investigators and Sam was like, well, those are only investigators. It's like, no, no, not only investigators. I had to address that point about four times to not let them get away with it. Uh, Critical Wit says for $5, law, if funding was restored, then it have to 
it had to have fallen in the first place. Sam is silly. I brought this up. Again, these were a lot of things that I talked about. I've talked about on my channel ad nauseum. Like, there was nothing new in terms of argumentation. Uh, William Staley says, Sam, can you actually prepare to debate rather than constantly engaging in sophistry? This shows Sean is punching well below his weight skill-wise. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, I'll pass that message along to Sam. Vigatron says, well done, sir, with a heart emoji. I appreciate that. Lord Osterman says, why would crime drop if prosecutors are letting many criminals go these days? Again, it depends on where. Uh, John for $5 says, 15 years ago, does he know this was the Great Depression? It was actually the Great Recession. Of course, um, the head of Clint would would have been what would have been lower in 2008 insert soldier boy name uh yeah crime actually went down in the great recession by the way a uh, blast radius for ten dollars says leftists like cedar will light a match defund the police in america and afterwards try to play dumb like him and his progressive buddies had nothing to do with it uh alternate keck for five dollars says Take some money for dealing with this clown. He can't stop talking about nonsense. I will say that story about the Range Rover, such a waste of time. It was, it was, I, I wish we didn't end basically on that note. Um, you know, this happened to my friend in 1995 when he was driving like a hundred thousand dollar car. Like, uh, okay, okay, Sam, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, you know, I'm sorry about your friend. I'm sorry that you feel guilty about that. Let me see if I can adjust this so I could be less orange. There we go. Um, uh, as pooped by Anakin Skywalker, we don't need cops, the second amendment, uh, for a reason. Uh, yes, I believe in self-defense rights. Thal says for $20, AJW can't win. Uh, Sam has buckets of proof. He can guzzle proof in uh, buckets and quotes, uh, from buckets, uh, just buckets and buckets. Uh, WH. M underscore W says that's lockdowns and vaccine mandates for uh, you bozo. Um, Henry Kuto says, I hope this money helps you recover from the pure brain worms you're getting from Sam Cedar and M for $10 Canadian. Uh, no message. Three X Nilo $2 again, donating hardcore. Uh, no message or message retracted. Dirty South FGC ask, if we had one day of zero crime, does crime exist? That's actually a trend. I don't know if you know that. A quick decline is is a new trend. That's actually the new word for it. If you guys are unfamiliar, that is how that works. Bob the Hun, are you going... People are going to say Sam won because he dominated the conversation. Sean isn't getting to grill him on any stupid shit he said over the years. Meanwhile, Sam is nitpicking him every second. I think the nitpicking looked pretty bad. Uh, and then he sent that again for $10, and then he sent it again for $10. So thank you for the $30 in the same message. Uh, USD2, chat is censored. Why so frightened of free feedback? YouTube has its own filters, and my mods uh, get rid of certain nonsense. I don't know what you're referring to. Uh, Gora-Saro says, I like how his critique of Sitch and Adam was they pulled a clip of him, and they had to explain the quote to him to continue the debate. And now we're pivoting to on Connecticut. Yeah, I watched that stream and um, good on Sitch and Adams for pulling up a quote. And what was funny about that is Sam is like, when did I say that? And it was like six days ago. That did make me laugh. So good on them for that one. Um, 
for Kalahero, 30-30 for $5. What is happening now? Sean is debating a team and still dominating, while Sam desperately nitpicks irrelevant points to try to gotcha Sean. That is true. He did harp on a lot of things that were like, you know, very minimal. But the problem is, is that you can try to do that, but I'm very into the like niche numbers. I did think it was funny when he was upset that I didn't have every statistic offhand. And I'm like, oh, no, I'll just look it up. Like, you know, you could get frazzled in that kind of section and be embarrassed. But the idea that I would have everything offhand is ridiculous. Like, I'm working on Cleveland stuff, so I'm not thinking about the state of Connecticut. Um, Gonzo the Good, crime is going down because it's being legalized. Chewbacca's lover, Sam knows he can't win on the facts. He's trying to control the conversation and make Sean defend every point while not having to defend his positions on crime and all the stuff, uh, all the stupid stuff he says. Not here for 6969. Thank you for that and that number. Sam's live chat is so disappointingly moronic. Sean's words are zooming over their heads. They're jumping on clarification on simple facts at, at some sort of victory. What the hell is wrong with them? Uh, by the way, 69 in chat, Voice of the People says, When Sam realized he was losing, this went from a debate to an interview at slash learning session. Well done, Sean. Uh, WHM underscore W says, Sean, um, you need a chance to interrogate slash cross-examine Sam. You're doing all the answering and just asking questions. Uh, okay. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I could have pressed more on that. Uh, I did I did aggravate him with the wage theft thing, which was uh, which is funny. Because uh, he didn't bring it up. But I know people on his staff bring it up all the time when they talk about the topic. This debate needed a moderator. Sam was just steering the conversation wherever he wants to go and to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. Uh, e dash. Uh, ER for $10 says the wage theft issue is a red herring. We were talking about shoplifting. I think I pointed that out pretty clearly that this is a common deflection slash denial technique. I thought you were above Biden's stuttering compilation. Sam did stutter a lot near the end. I, who tend to stutter and tend to speak poorly on live, um, ended up speaking quite clearly and coherently. It was elegant, if I do say so myself, because none of you have said how elegant I was. But um, I did have an emergency person come in and grab me water because I was getting uh, you know a little, little little dry in the mouth. Um, for Thomas Paris, uh, here lies Sam Cedar, giant among grifters, master of pivots. Never has there been a more cunning wielder of a dishonest argument. Slew by Sean, warrior of actual justice. Uh, crime is about morality, not poverty. That comes from Gonzo the Good. Uh, Lord Osserman, who I keep trying to say Osama, but it says Osserman. Opportunity drives crime. That's true. Not here. Uh, this is definitely Sean's most difficult debate. I don't think he's ever debated such a huge R word uh, before. 420 in the chat, ladies. That's from not here. Uh, anonymous. Sam is desperate to trap Sean in a gotcha question. Uh, Julian for a hundred dollars. Jesus, Jesus! I got to get the big reaction to that. Uh, keep up the good work, Sean. A hundred dollars, and he didn't even send me a long message. Very, very, very. Thank you very much. Slevin says you're you're do, you're doing uh, you're doing good work is what I think he meant to say, buddy. Hold your ground, um, Mike. The Dad Crosby, I was on a sitcom once, says the leftist, with zero sense of humor, must have been the straight man. Oh, wait, I can't say that for now, right? 
not oh LGBT. Listen, Sam has a wife and a and a child, so uh, and that was repeated again. I disavow any poor references to the LGBTQ double X I I P. Slevin for five U.S. dollars says comparing the police institution of the '90s to the police institution of the 2020s slash 2030. By the way, uh, the 2020s is what he meant by that. Not here says Sam is a personification of playing chess against a pigeon idiom. His only move is crapping. Oh, uh, yeah, crapping on the board when it's his move. I think you might have meant Sean, but okay. Uh, or maybe, yeah, Sam is the pigeon in this thing. Whatever. Joe Sullivan says, am I the only one who hears the Star Spangled Banner playing in the background? Also, I see the Eagles taking flight, rockets exploding, and monster trucks. Uh, Bob the Hun says, Sam is is bent out of shape over how Tim treated Emma as rich. She went for personal below the belt uh, pot shots first. Sam did the same thing right there. Uh, right, uh, same did the same thing here. Yeah, they did attack Tim, but I didn't watch a lot of their coverage of that because I don't, I don't care about their opinion on that conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he, if Tim, which I, I gave the stipulation that it's an if. Uh, called her like a pedo then i don't agree with that but i don't know if that happened i think he said like tolerates grooming or whatever verbiage he used but if i'm wrong then whatever send me the clip it's fine um uh begin of the debate was basically an interview of your views and reading articles second half was the debate next time get a moderate w on your side uh, yeah, I couldn't be the moderator and the debater this time. I was in majority retorts. Chat simply agreed with AJW, provided valid retorts to what they were saying, has two account- and had two accounts banned. It's shameful and embarrassing on their part, yet they called AJW fans Nazis. Yeah, um, I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming over, and I'm sorry you got banned from their chat twice for agreeing with me. Well done. You didn't have ums or us. You stated your you stated clearly your opinions and facts. Your voice didn't get louder and strained. You should have been oh you should be proud of yourself. That's from RKK and Casey Anderson is the person who got banned. So let me refresh one more time and then I will uh I will wrap this stream. But again, thank you guys all for watching. I saw over 5,000 people tuning in live at one point. I'll check if that's peak later on, but I really appreciate that. You know, it's a uh, it's um it's it's nice. It's nice that you guys care about what I did. And obviously I'm not afraid of Sam Cedar, especially on a topic that I clearly know more about than him. Voice of the people. Uh you did great. I laughed when when it tuned into a uh, when it turned into a learning session for him. If you need help with Streamlabs, I'm willing to help you. Uh thank you. Um Jerry RN is that Sam Skeleton uh, back behind you after you murdered him in the debate? Um Gerald Armstrong, the teacher example, Sam said, was nonsense. Tell me a teacher who fights crime. Uh, yeah, the, so he was referring to, like, the pandemic causing resignations in teachers. Again, it, the ages of the people retiring early or leaving the profession are, are higher. And I think people were leaving the teaching profession earlier than the pandemic. But I could be wrong about that, you know? Of course, of course you enjoyed the dem- uh, of course you enjoyed that demolition of the wokest agenda. Sam didn't even try to debate. Seemed like he was interviewing and trying to get some gotchas. Uh, most of the time, all he could all he could do was laugh. Uh, Sean put repeat offenders in jail, Sam. Uh, Sam, put more people in jail? Sam is such a disingenuous rat. Yeah, 
I mean, I I don't like that's like one of the key highlights from the other one where I was like, yes, we should put the same the people who are repeat offending in jail. And he was like, again, it's like asking for specifics, but specifics that didn't matter. So he's like, oh, how many times should they reoffend before you put them in jail? And I'm like, he's like, should it be three times? I'm like, five. It doesn't matter. Like these people are offending six thousand times. Like that, they're not going to jail. We have that burglar story out in Los Angeles. The guy's convicted of seventy-seven felonies, pled guilty to fifty-four burglaries, and he gets time served. So yeah, we need something between infinite and one. That's a number I want to go for. Okay, uh, Ryan Tate, uh, Sam's team versus Sean. Great bit on retail versus Sam. By the way, I could see. I don't know if you guys could see. I could see into their studio room, so um, I could see the reactions of their staff. I even worked into all criminals are Aladdin thing, which I thought was funny. Um, you should have pushed back about Emma and Tim. Flip the script. She accused him of stochastic terrorism. Listen, I was there and I pushed back in the moment. Uh, stabbing Joe Scarborough, uh, $5. Thank you. Miss Sparkles. The blue is what, oh, the blue is what causes the orange. Yeah, you know what? That is true. Now, now that the stream is almost over, if I remember correctly, the way I fixed that in the other thing was actually shifted to a lighter blue. Yeah, lighter blue. That that would be the answer. Thank you for that, Miss Sparkles. Isaac Lopez Cordell laughed when you asked how shoplifters could be a threat. I work in corporate at a certain retail store, and we got the notification of people grabbing axes and threatening cashiers. Yeah, I mean, the fact that people don't understand that these people churn violent, and the more opportunities you leave them out in the street, the more likely that is to happen, is uh, absurd. Also, I just dropped my keyboard, and, and I hope everything's back and connected. Um, so uh, for Bell, uh, that is LOL. The reason for the early teacher retirement is because of BLM pointing out black kids get disciplined more. Yeah, it actually could have had an impact, but I didn't really want to go down into that rabbit hole. Surprisingly, we talked very little about racism. Now, I knew he was going to bring up marijuana, so I actually have on my tabs a couple of articles, including that Manhattan Institute article. And uh, when I brought up Astoria, which is a wealthy, young, like, hipster area. By the way, it's a, it was a really nice area. It's gotten worse in recent years. Um, he didn't have a good answer for that and just wanted to move on. Just leave the room quietly. Um, Bail Factor says, here comes some bucks for you to prepare for Biden's second term. Great job, by the way. Uh, WHM underscore W. I think I said I wanted to take 1990s Biden on a date, and uh, I got no reaction from him on that. Well, to be fair, I didn't ask, I didn't think Sam would fall so so easily by your one question towards the end. And ban head for five dollars Canadian. Thank you. No message. All right, I'm gonna refresh one more time, guys. It's just, just I'm, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I'm a baby. I, it's past my bedtime. So uh, thank you, though. Seriously, like, I mean, you know, like, technically, you're sending me money. So, you know, uh, I can't believe. Uh, oh, so this is from Xi Jinping with some Chinese lettering that I don't know. I can't believe he debated the guy from Bob's Burgers. Um, he got thrown off when I said, Sam, you're still an actor, buddy. The strike hasn't killed you. Um, the final answer. Uh, you won. Sam just constantly asking questions, which puts you on the defense. He never actually states his positions, and buckets is in all caps. Mr. Squiggies, who I think is going to be the last super chatter of the day, um, you also dropped this crown. Aw, aw, aw. That, that's a good way to end, honestly. Respect. Respect. 
I, you know, flattery will get you everywhere with me. I just, I just want you guys to know that. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, I, I know it's 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but r- relax. But yeah, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. I really appreciate you. Uh, the Super Chatters, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> I have a chat from Chris Ted Tucker. I'll read it. It says, ETs are the new minority with a cr- ridiculously low crime rate of zero per 100,000. It's not racist to point this out. Yes, that is what we will end on. But seriously, thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to the clips. I love all of you, except for some of you, and you know who you are. Um, And yes, you do know who you are. But really, really. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com, that's www.trimwithus.com, to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com, or now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare flashlight. The Fighter Flare flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.